Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, we're going to look and how to invest in real estate without the hassle of managing property. My guest in this episode is Dave Van Horn. Since 2007, Dave Van Horn has served as the president and CEO of PPR Note Company, a holding company that manages several funds that buy, sell, and hold residential mortgages nationwide. Dave's expertise is derived from over 30 years of residential and commercial real estate experience as a licensed realtor, real estate investor, and fundraiser. As the latter, Dave has raised over $100 million for both notes and commercial real estate. Dave also owns a considerable portfolio of residential investment properties as well as various commercial holdings. In addition to his investments and role as CEO, Dave's biggest passion is teaching others how to build and preserve wealth. Dave is the co-founder and board member of Strategic Investors Alliance, a purposeful planning and networking group for accredited investors. Dave is also a national speaker and investment blogger on biggerpockets.com. If you're interested in joining our investors group, you could go to cashflowninja.com forward slash investors group and fill out an application form and or email me at info cashflowninja.com to start the discussion to see if you're a good fit for our group. And if you're living in the Philadelphia, Bucks County, and Southern New Jersey area, we are hosting a live investors meetup event every month in Newtown, Pennsylvania. For more information on the monthly event and information on how to join us at our next live event, you could go to cashflowninja.com forward slash events. MC Lobshier, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast and also the president and chief wealth and investment strategist of Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate cashflow banking, also known as infinite banking, with their business and investments. If you're interested in learning more about how we create strategies that integrate cashflow banking and investments to turbocharge them, you can access a video series at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, MC? Great, great. So great to connect uh, right in my backyard. So very excited to, to have you on. A lot of folks uh, that we know as well, a lot of, lot of people in common. So this is pretty exciting. I've been looking forward to it. Dave, before we get started, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Wow, how much time do you have? I'm a pretty old guy. <laughs> so, uh, I guess you could say when I first got out of college, I was an accounting major and switched to management and couldn't get a job. So I was working in construction during college and stayed in construction, uh, became a realtor at an early age, like 26, bought my first investment property back in 1989. Um, and then the interesting thing was I uh, did something a little creative. I, I was taking a real estate investment course and uh, started buying, uh, the teacher told us this, uh, we started buying houses with credit cards, which is a weird phenomena back then. I wouldn't do that today. There's uh, cash advance fees that are pretty hefty. But uh, it was like free money back then. And uh, I was handy. I was a realtor. I didn't have capital. And all of a sudden I did. And I'd buy houses, fix them up, um, 
you know, move a tenant in, refinance the house, pay the credit cards off and build a whole portfolio like that. And then actually uh, prices went up on homes. And next thing you know, I had a few million dollars in equity and would tap into that equity. But, you know, after becoming a realtor, I was a real estate investor, obviously, had my insurance license, became a property manager, owned a title company, did a lot of things over the years. Uh, got into hard money lending, lending money to fellow rehabbers, uh, and then became, uh, ran a big real estate group for about six years and became um, a commercial real estate fundraiser. And I was raising capital for a company in New Jersey to buy mobile home parks, storage centers. We did, uh, I also did some projects in the Lehigh Valley, some commercial office condos. And then I was introduced into the note world and that was by accident. So I used to interview speakers to come to our meetings. And one of the speakers was uh, a guy out of New York who was raising capital for pools of delinquent mortgages. And of course, I didn't do anything for probably three years, but I had a partner who did. And there was pretty lucrative returns. And right before the crash in 2007, eight, uh, we got into the business. That's when we started our company, PPR Note Company. And... Uh, basically reached out to this guy and said, hey, show us how to collect on delinquent debt and we'll buy assets from you. And the rest is kind of history. And we started out as this little club and became a regular business. And then, you know, now it's grown into a pretty big enterprise. So it's uh, just evolved. Fantastic. Now, for my uh, listeners out there that's not familiar with notes uh, and institutional notes, can you please share a little bit exactly what it is? You know, it's like my wife says, uh, a note's a musical symbol, right? Or uh, it, it wasn't that long ago I thought a loan meant to be all by myself. But all, all, all kidding aside, uh, a note is just a promise to pay. And most of the time when I'm talking about notes, I'm referring to notes and mortgages, which would be the same that you would have if you went to Bank of America or Wells Fargo to buy your house. You would have a note and a mortgage, two documents, One's the promise to pay back the bank, and the other is the document that gets recorded at the courthouse that perfects the collateral to that promissory note for the bank. So if you didn't pay on the note, they would obviously foreclose and and take your property. And um, that's pretty much what a note is. Now, um, so that's institutional notes. There's all different kinds of notes. I I tell people, I, I explain it like this. Everybody's in the note business. You just don't, you just might not realize it, right? Because you have credit card notes, you have auto notes, you have student loan debt, right? You, so yep. there's medical debt. There's a, a lot of debt in this, especially in the US, right? There's a lot of, uh, so just the mortgage industry alone is a trillions of dollars industry, you know? So it's, um, there's a lot of debt out there, all different types. So we're all in the note business. We're just used to writing checks instead of receiving checks. And I just try to introduce the concept to folks, say, hey, how nice would it be to cross the aisle and be the guy or gal that's receiving checks as opposed to writing checks, right? So. Right. And, and maybe if you could uh, talk a little bit about the advantages of why someone would focus uh, solely on notes versus diving straight into on the, on the real estate investing side. Well, I think the lesson for me was, obviously, I was a property manager years ago at a Remax. So I was managing a lot of property and I was selling a lot of investment real estate to, you know, real estate investors. And what you quickly realize, I was in court weekly, you know, regularly. And uh, I started out, I was lending money to other rehabbers, like on hard money lending. 
And uh, which is also a note in a mortgage. It's a short-term commercial note to rehab a property that a bank typically wouldn't lend on. Uh, so what would happen was I would do these, I would have these notes and mortgages and then I'd have my properties and I was like, this was great because I had 40 at one time and I'd be like in court all of my own and then I was managing other people. So I'm in court and I'm meeting inspectors. And I'm like, what a waste of time all this is. I got these nice little neat notes over here that don't really cause me a lot of headaches and it's just passive income, you know, mailbox money with a lot less work and headaches. And I'm not saying you can never take a property back from your notes. You can, but you're dealing with a lot less properties. And then with, on the institutional note side, uh, you know, there was a time I used to trade options. And what I quickly realized was, well, there's no collateral in the market, right? There, it, there's nothing, it doesn't mean you can't make money in the market. You can, but even if you're, you know, even if I do creative trades like butterfly trades and things like that, or puts and calls combined, what happens is as you mitigate risk, your yields drop. And what I liked about notes was, uh, you know, I could buy an asset at a discount with a high yield with collateral. And for me, it was like an epiphany, like an aha moment. And I came from the real estate space, so I understood it. I, like I said, I was handy. I was a realtor. You know, I, it was just easy for me to get my mind around that. Is it, uh, was it easier for you to, uh, for, uh, to, from a scaling standpoint too, to, to ramp it up? And maybe you can touch on that a little bit and also the, the diversification options that you have within the note world, because of course there's different asset classes that you can <laughs> get, the, get into the notes. You're saying a lot, right? So, so, you know, if I look at some of the advantages of, you know, note investing versus, you know, regular real estate, and I just want to state for the room, there's nothing wrong with real estate. Right. I'm an investor in multiple asset classes. I still love, you know, stock. I have stock investments. I have business investments. I have multiple businesses. I have real estate. I'll probably always have real estate. There's a lot of tax advantages. So I don't want people to get the wrong idea that, hey, he's the note guy. He's saying, drink that Kool-Aid only. Right. Um, I like to drink a lot of things, not just Kool-Aid. <laughs> but you get the idea. So yep. uh, notes are just one bucket I really enjoy. It's a passive bucket. Um, and it, you know, it has its quirks, right? You just got to know what they are, but some of the advantages are it is truly passive, especially performing notes, right? Um, or if I'm in a note fund, it's very passive. So, and I mean that, you know, like if you have real estate and they're calling you with bed bugs, that's not passive anymore. That's, you have to do something. Right? Yep. So, or, um, you, you hit around it. You were talking about volume and control is what I call it. And it's what banks figured out a long time ago. So, um, would Bank of America rather own 30 million properties or would Bank of America rather have 30 million mortgages, right? So it's, uh, and they are diversified. It's interesting you say that, um, you know, people ask me, what is the biggest risk in the note business? And sometimes it's the amount of capital you have deployed into that asset class. So for example, if I have one note in mortgage and it were to redefault, say, well, I'd have a 100% default rate. But if I had 10 and one defaulted, I'd have a 10% default rate. If I had 100, you see where I'm going with that, right? Yep. So, um, you know, but, it, but what's nice about it is you do have control. If, if you think about it, Wells Fargo doesn't do plumbing repairs, right? They, yep. uh, so it, it is truly passive that way. They do have volume and control. You do have collateral, which I mentioned. Um, they're profitable in various markets. You have different strategies in up markets and down markets with note investing, um, you know, it, the pricing, uh, they are in direct correlation to real estate values though. 
So there's, uh, you know, you might have different strategies on your note portfolio in an up market versus a down market. Uh, some people are like, are you worried about the next crash? And the answer is, of course not. Because um, if there is a crash, um, I'm going to get assets cheaper and there's going to be more of them. If the prop, if uh, the market's doing well and property values jump up, well, my portfolio goes up, right? So which side of the equation am I complaining about, right? So right. I think it's your strategy shifts in different markets, your exits on your assets shift in different markets. Um, and it's like any other kind of investing where you want to kind of know your exit strategy before you venture into the asset class. Um, so it's good to know that what kind of market you're in, pay attention basically. Um, so a lot of neat things like that are very versatile. Almost anything you can do with uh, a house, you could do with a note. So I can rehab the paper, so to speak, just like you would rehab a house. And by that, I mean, I would take a non-performing note. Uh, it's more of a collections play where you get to borrow re-performing, you do a loan modification. Uh, and if that loan gets re-performing for any length of time, it becomes dramatically more valuable. Sometimes the equity comes back into the marketplace on the real estate behind the note and mortgage, and your asset can go up in value. So it's not really true appreciation in the sense that your real estate would go up. We call it phantom appreciation, where if we bought assets real cheap because they had partial equity or no equity, and then equity came back, all of a sudden they're valuable again, right? So there's some, there's some things like that. I've had notes where I could collect on them for several years and sell them for the same value I could sell them today for, right? So there's some interesting characteristics some to note investing. A lot of notes and mortgages uh, are front-end loaded with interest, and the banks don't really tell you how that casino operates. <laughs> so if you were, you know, when you go to the bank, the average note and mortgage is kept five to seven years in the U.S. That's for all mortgages on residential. So think about that. If you have a 30-year amortization schedule, it's all interest up front. I think it's about year 19 before you start to pay, um, you know, more principal down than interest, right? So you... You see how that works. It's a, a loaded equation there, right? They kind of have you. Um, and most people, you know, they, they sell or refinance or move several times. You know, they're not staying in the same place. So a lot of interesting things there. There's also socially conscious um, advantages to note investing where you're able to help someone stay in their home. Or if it's a vacant property, you can get it back on the tax rolls where you're, you know, it's not a board up property anymore. It's not you know, nobody wants to board it up property next to them, right? So right. Uh, I think you, you provide a valuable service for the community, you know, th through uh, working with distressed assets and, you know, getting them back to a quality asset again, right? You bring up so many great points. One of the things I just chuckled on is how mortgages are structured because I don't think a lot of people know and or have paid attention when you actually get a printout of what's going towards actually the principal that you're paying down and the interest. And then folks are, as you mentioned, five to seven years is the average of a, of a mortgage. So people would pay you know, five years basically of pure interest, the rates drop maybe a percentage and now they're refinancing and they start the process all over again. All over again. And uh, <laughs> so, no, we, um, that's why like if, you know, if I'm a real estate investor and I were to take over someone's property subject to their existing mortgage, for example, well, they might've lived there 15 years. And if I take over that mortgage, I'm, a, I'm halfway into that amortization schedule. So when I continue to make payments, I'm I'm really paying principal down 
Or uh, a lot of times I'll show people how they can utilize a sweep account and you can pay off any, any loan in about a third of the time. And, and by that, I mean, you know, if you had a first mortgage uh, and you utilized a home equity line of credit and you used your home equity line of credit more like a checking account and you would drop your paycheck in there, like say you got paid every two weeks, but your mortgage was due in the first. Well, by utilizing cash flow, almost like a bank does, because a bank tells you to park your money. And we're only sold on how much interest we make in our savings account, and we're sold on how much the interest is on the loan we have. But nobody talks about the opportunity cost of the money sitting dormant. And when people put their money in their checking account in a 40-year period, on average, their money sits idle for 30 years. Well, the bank's telling you to park your money, and they're moving your money, right? They're lending it out on auto loans and home loans and things like that. So, the sweep account concept is where, um, you know, I could drop my paycheck every two weeks on my home equity line of credit. And as I pay that down, I could write a check to the first mortgage and prepay that. And if you worked with just the similar cash flow of that, nothing else, not sending extra anything, you're going to pay off your 30 mortgage in about 10, 12 years just by utilizing a sweep account. Um, and interest is computed differently on a home equity line of credit than it is on a house, on a primary mortgage. So, a lot of people don't understand that or they don't understand that even their credit cards, their, uh, what do they call that? Your start date and stop date. Like if I buy, you know, the credit card cycle has a cycle, a 30 day mm-hmm. cycle. Well, if I bought furniture on the 14th of the month and the cycle started on the 15th or I bought my new furniture on the 17th could mean I got an extra month free interest free, right? Like, like a lot of us just don't pay attention to that stuff. We just go buy things and we're not thinking of cycles. We're not thinking how the bank's really operating. So me, I, you know, I had money in banking in college and, and I didn't realize how valuable it would be later, but you start to, you know, really, I just encourage people to think about finance hacks, think about ways that you can act like the bank more so than the consumer. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. My friend Dave Zook says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. Dave and his team at The Real Asset Investor have syndicated many successful real estate and ATM projects over the last decade. Now his team has an exclusive opportunity for investors in the coal space. Do you want to be part of an energy project that takes conventional coal and cleans it up by extracting liquids while releasing almost zero emissions? The sale of these liquids can produce strong double-digit cash flow and aggressive tax benefits against ordinary income, all while using America's number one most plentiful resource in a responsible, efficient manner. Now that's non-conventional. For more information on this exclusive opportunity, you can visit therealassetinvestor.com or contact the Real Asset Investor team at info at therealassetinvestor.com. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. 
You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. Right. And be aware, aware of all of that. One of the things to, to tie into that that I was looking at was just uh, credit scores, right, of how to uplift credit scores. And there's so many folks that they would purchase something in the on the first of the month and pay it off at a certain date, all of it. All of, all of a sudden, it all depends on the dates when the credit is, when the companies are reporting to the credit company. So it might even show that, you know, you're carrying a heavy, heavy, basically balance on your credit card. So your score stays low because you're not aware of what date they're reporting and when and how often they report, right? That's true. I mean, I mean, we deal with a lot of delinquent, you know, homeowners, right? So, and credit is important. And uh, it's funny, some people say, what can I do to fix... Well, it's simple. Pay your bills on time. That's right. That's, about that's, it. that's, a, that's yeah. a great first step, right? Yeah, it's not, it's not rocket science, um, but yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so for, for new listeners and for existing listeners that's looking to fill a bucket with notes and they already have some other assets, they enjoy their cash flow from their real estate and, and so forth, what are some of the things that you would share as from a starting point um, starting your journey and, and filling a bucket with some note investing. You know, it's interesting you say that. It's like giving someone any kind of advice, any kind of you know financial advice or investing advice. But usually, one of my first questions to people is, "What type of investor are you? You know, how much time commitment do you have? How much capital do you have? Are are you a high net worth investor? Are you a high income earner or not? What are your investing goals? Almost like a financial planner would be yep. going down that path, kind of thing." Uh, but for a lot of, you know, sometimes people, will, I'll tell you ways people get started in the business. A lot of times they'll start with performing notes because obviously they're paying, right? And they're not as much work as if they were to invest in non-performing notes. Now, anyone can buy a note in most cases, right? So you don't have to be a high net worth investor. Now, where do you find notes? There's some are online, like auction.com and Note MLS. There's note brokers, there's trade desks, there's uh, note funds like the fund I have. We sell notes. Uh, there's And there's probably hundreds of note funds that sell notes. There's exchanges, uh, servicers and banks sell notes. FCI Exchange sells notes. So there's um, all various places to get notes. There's seller finance notes where, um, you know, you could be buying a property off a private seller and, and say, will you carry any financing? Or I might be selling an investment property to you, MC, and I, I might say to you, I'll hold the second mortgage on that property. So you need very little money down or you need very little closing costs, that type of thing. So there's a whole variety of, of ways to get started. Um, there's another one too. It's peer-to-peer um, -peer lending. So yep. some people say, well, I need a lot of money to get in the note business. Well, not really. You can go to prosper.com or lending club and start with 20 to 25 hours and, and invest in notes. Now they're unsecured and you can just invest in a piece of a note, but there are other crowdfunding sites now that do note funds where I've seen them as low as a hundred dollars you can invest. So it's not, um, you know, the world's changing with the internet, right? You can, you can invest in a lot of different ways to get started. Now, how educated are you in this space? I usually tell folks to get educated, network with people doing it, maybe find a mentor, coach, JV partner, someone you could shadow a deal with instead of jeopardizing your own capital till you figure things out and, 
and your uh, you know how how much risk do you want to take? That, that those all those questions come to mind for me. Uh, hard money lending is another way to get started in the note business, and a lot of people don't don't really they forget that that is the note business, right? It's a, it's a short term commercial note, right? They they're not really putting that together. So you know, why does a real estate investor start to become a hard money lender? Sometimes um, maybe they just don't want to own more properties. You know, I have a friend that has over 500 properties and he you know, ended up taking out a, a commercial line of credit on his properties, his portfolio, and then became a hard money lender and created a whole nother business, right? So um, to him, that was probably easier than owning more houses. And if someone defaulted, it doesn't bother him. He has crews anyway that renovate houses. So it, it depends on the, the investor, their appetite, their skill set, all those things that any type of investing would require, right? Or any business. Right. Because it's capital intensive too. So. Yes, um, it can be. Now, one thing I do like to show, talk to people about is, well, obviously non-performing notes is a whole different risk level. You might have to be licensed. There's compliance. You can, you know, you don't want to do fair, you violate a fair debt collection law and be sued or something like that. Uh, note fund investing, uh, a lot of funds are only open to high net worth folks, accredited investors, but sometimes they're open in a crowdfunding platform. But a lot of the note funds, to your point earlier, gives you a lot of diversification, gives you limited liability. Uh, high net worth folks like that. Uh, they like the fact that their exposure is limited, that they can't be sued, that they do have anonymity. Um, now they're investing in shares of a non-publicly traded company and they have to buy into that management team. But there are a lot of advantages to that uh, for investors. Um, and some people invest from their qualified plans you know, to get tax advantages in uh, a space where you really don't get you know, depreciation or anything like real estate. So I don't know if I, where did I leave off? Ways to get started <laughs> or, uh, you know, so there are different advantages to a note fund versus owning the note. If you own the note, you could argue, while I'm in control, I own the asset, which could be an advantage to you. Or it could be a disadvantage if it defaults, right? You might say, well, right. I would have rather been in a note fund maybe. you know." So. Right. With a little bit more exposure. And as you mentioned, if you have one and one defaults, now it's 100% default Correct. rate and, and get a little, bit of a, a little bit of a smaller slice of a bigger pie um, and diversify that way. Well, the one, the one thing I will say about notes that's different than real estate is the liquidity aspect. And uh, it, we have a longer term fund, which is uh, like a three year term. Um, we also have stuff that's liquid. It's a 90 day term. So that's quick, right? You're not going to see real estate in a 90 day, in a, in a 90 day fund, right? Because right. real estate's not that liquid. Most real estate funds might be five years, seven years, 10 years, especially in multifamily or something like that. Nothing against all that, that type of syndication. I, I actually play around with some of that myself, but the... Um, but it's, uh, you know, some people like short-term investments, right? It could be a hard money fund or hard money loan, which is six to 12 months. And then you have like the note funds like mine were anywhere from 90 days to three years. And then you see multifamily funds, which might be five years or seven years with tax advantages, right? So there's, I like uh, a whole array of uh, a buffet of investments. <laughs> if you get that sense from me, right? Yeah. So you know, I, I think everybody's going to be a little bit different of what they prefer and what, you know, invest in what you know, too. Um, you know, I have a strong, you know, real estate background and, and, and that's why notes and mortgages, you know, 
fit with me very well. And so do the properties and the underwriting of that. And uh, whereas someone else might, that might be, you know, a lot for them, the process where they, they might be better off in something more passive where they, uh, you know, and you can also partner with people. Like you could be a capital partner for someone who wants to uh, get down and dirty with the notes, you know, hands on, well, you can join up with them and form a partnership. Um, we did that in the very beginning, right? We, I had a couple partners and we pulled our money together and, Hey, let's see if this works, right? Learn the business. Learn the business. And then, uh, and then next thing you know, after we tested it and realized it worked, we were like, oh, okay, let's go raise capital uh, and do that in a bigger way, right? So you don't have to have your own money. I mean, the majority of my company was built without our own capital. It was with private equity. You know, so. Right. Now, you, uh, you're very knowledgeable about a lot of different um, different asset classes, a lot of different vehicles. And one of the habits that I've seen of very wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new things and researching and reading and so forth. What are you, uh, what are you reading? What are you studying? And, and what skill sets are you looking to, to add on in uh, this year? Wow. I, I read a lot. Um, I probably read a good 30 books a year. Um, although that's not a lot to some people. I have a buddy that reads 50 a year. So I, I'm trying to catch up to him. Um, I guess some of my favorite books, uh, obviously there's business books and real estate books. One of my most recent books I like is a book called Abundance. Uh, I really enjoy that because it just, it just shows you all the possibilities. I also read a lot of, like I'm reading a book about on Steve Jobs. I'm reading a book on Bezos. So I like, uh, because I'm a CEO, I have, you know, 31 employees, you know, I, I, I want to be a better CEO. So I'm always reading uh, those types of books. I always have had coaches for a long period of time. Um, um, you know, so I like those types of, you know, coaching books and scaling up your business and traction type books, you know, to, um, you know, build the, you know, I'm hoping to build a billion dollar business. So <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. What, what are some of the, the views on the current market conditions and where we are at in, in the asset cycle? I know it's very, it's a general question and markets are very specific and some differ because of different characteristics, but what is your view on what's going on in the economy and, and some of the markets that, uh, that you're operating in? Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Uh, when we started in the business, we were in an up market um, because there's a lag with debt. So even after the crash of 07, 08 time period, distressed debt didn't peak up till 09, 2010, right? And so there's a three-year lag, five-year lag sometimes with delinquent debt uh, right now. And then real estate values went up, generally speaking, through most of the country, where they got back to where they were in 05, 06. You know, you could see things got back to where, the way things were. And it was a long time. It was probably a 10-year period for most places, right? But we own assets all over the country. Uh, we're probably pretty heavy in about 26 to 30 states. Uh, is where the bulk of our portfolio is. So we do get a good sense of what's going on in the rest of the country. And, um, you know, it's fun getting cashed out when real estate values are up and people refinance, can move again, uh, sell their homes and actually pay back what they owe. So um, that's an interesting cycle. But, you know, a lot of people say to us, what happens when the market crashes? Well, we went through a pretty bad crash. And what we, uh, it was funny when we started in the business, we had a portfolio of loans fully covered in equity or we wouldn't buy them. And then the market crashed and we're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? The equity fell out. But what we found was it wasn't an issue unless you were in liquidation mode. So I guess a good analogy would be like this. It would be if I had a $100,000 house that uh, rent it for 1000 a month, oh my gosh, what am I going to do if it's only worth eighty? 
and it's a rental property. Well, it's not a problem unless I have to sell it. Right. Because right? the rent stayed pretty much at 1000 a month. Okay, it's 975 or whatever. But you get the idea. So that doesn't really fluctuate much. So that's kind of what happens in a crash. And what we found was when equity left the market, we worked through those assets and we got out of just about as many deals. And what we found, we were overpaying for equity. So in the down market, we were like, oh my gosh, we're going for the assets. We would sell off the equity at a premium and we'd actually make the bulk of our money on partial equity assets because the outcomes were very close to the equity assets. And we were paying a lot less for them, probably a third. So we were like, aha, this is great. So it was actually a, a good thing for us that the crash happened. So I don't want to say I'm looking forward to the next crash. That sounds a little morbid, but... Um, you know, and you don't want to see people go through hard times. So probably the biggest driver in our business would be um, jobs and the economy uh, because, you know, well, you can tell even when you do like adjust the gross income in areas, just for your re- real estate research, you might find that when people make under a certain amount, there's a higher uptick in foreclosures, uh, whether it's you know, 40,000 a year, 30,000 a year, whatever, you get lower and lower, you'll mm-hmm. see that foreclosure rates go up, right? And then yeah. if you have a downturn in the economy and you have high unemployment, like right now, unemployment is pretty low. Um, so you have less delinquency. Um, but there's always, you know, there's four main reasons for default or death, divorce, job loss, and medical, unless you think they're going away. Um, divorce seems like it's kind of here to stay about half the people get divorced. So, um, but you get the idea. So unless there's, um, there's always going to be defaulted loans uh, on some level. So I don't think it's a business that goes away. But the other the other variables, interest rates, but interest rates, I think, impact more our cost of capital than it does the um, the actual assets themselves because we modify them or they become vacant and we end up with the property. So there's ways to deal with that interest rate fluctuation on the original note and mortgage. It's not as relevant. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So, Dave, if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? (laughs) Well, principles, well, we have kind of like family core values. We have, you know, I have two sons that work. One works in my former construction business. One works in my note business, right? So, um, but we have some family values and they're family first, discipline, trust, and responsibility. There are, I said four in US for three, but that's what oh, we, I love it. That's yeah. what we strive for. From, an, uh, from a visionary point of view, I think um, we believe in being ambitious and content, but giving back. Um, and I think part of our mission is, well, one is obviously to develop the human capital of the family members, right? And the intellectual, I mean, the intellectual capital, not human capital. Um, But the, um, you know, I want to make sure everybody and my grandchildren are educated, my children are well educated, because I I know those advantages. Um, But it's beyond that. I think it's, for me, with investing and our businesses and making sure we're all doing well, is that um, we do something more impactful, right? So I think it's uh, more of a com- community impact thing. Um, so for example, uh, me and my oldest son, we run a drug and alcohol recovery center. So it's different than a regular rental property uh, because it's more impactful. 
So, and I also run a, a, an event on the East Coast and that I donate all the proceeds to homelessness. So, sure, I mean, you can, you know, I do other things as well. So not everything has to be necessarily for profit in that way. But what's really rewarding is sometimes what we can give, right? So, or we can do our regular investing and have more of an impact. You know, um, you know maybe my rental properties are, you know, I might have a building that's for disabled veterans or, you know, unwed moms or, or whatever it is, you know, it could be, or bat, yeah, I used to rent properties to battered women, you know, like you can do other things um, to have a more social impact than just, you know, make money, make money, make money, which is fine. But I think we can, we're smart folks. We're smart people. Let's, let's try to do something a little, you know, as I've gotten older, I've been more like that. And I try to instill that in, uh, in my children as well. Yeah, it's all tied together, right? It's a concept of kind of social capitalism, which a lot of people talk about where everything's connected. And yes, there's businesses, but there's ways, like you were saying, um, different ways that you can contribute and make a, a massive impact in your community as well. Um, besides the, obviously the value that you're providing to the marketplace. Yeah. I mean, even in our regular business, right? I have 30 something families depend on this business, right? You know, to feed their families. Right. And then on top of that, we deal in distressed debt where we're trying to modify people's mortgages or we're trying to get properties back into, I call it community stabilization where we, you know, like I said, nobody wants a boarded up property next to them. Right. So there's ways that we can conduct business or investing and have more of a social impact, I think. David, where can my listeners learn more about you? Where can they reach out to you and where can, uh, where can they follow you and stay informed of all the projects that you're involved with? Oh boy. Um, well, <laughs> it, it's pretty easy to find me, but uh, we have you know, a website, obviously, uh, pprnoteco.com is a great place to uh, find out more about notes or investing in note funds, that type of thing. But I'm also on Bigger Pockets a lot. I'm a a regular writer there. I've done a couple podcasts there as well. And you can always ask questions there about notes and there's a note group there. And uh, we answer people almost daily uh, on a regular basis, any kind of questions they have that we can help them with on note investing. And I think, uh, you know, it takes us, you know, it takes a little time to do that, but I think uh, it comes back in other ways. So. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, this has been great to connect, my friend. Yeah, appreciate yeah. you coming on. Appreciate you. And thank you so much for sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. My pleasure, MC. Thanks for having me. And I uh, have to thank my buddy, Paul Moore, too. He originally introduced me to you. So take care, MC. Thank you. Absolutely. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. 
Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.